All right. What is good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts for today, Simon Villanos, a.k.a. Coach V. And I'm your other co-host for today, Cody Stoffer, covering my former position here. Yeah, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking receivers. We're continuing, obviously, our top fives list for the class of 2022 here in Colorado, the box state. And, you know, there's a good number of receivers here. We have a lot of honorable mentions. That's kind of how it always goes with receivers, though. Just like last year, you know, there's a lot of guys that uh, didn't make our list because there's a lot of receivers in the state. And we will do a film breakdown uh, at a different time. And so there you go. And then, you know, just throwing this out there at the beginning of this episode, if you do make our top five list, consider it an invite to come on to the show and, you know, interview with us. Just go ahead and send us a DM and we could figure out a time and uh, get that set up because we'd love to talk to you and hash it out. Let yourself, uh, you know, let allow yourself to defend yourself if you feel like it needs to uh happen and whatnot and we'll uh, compromise and go from there so there you go but let's go ahead and kick this thing off at number five our number five receiver in the class of 2022 in colorado is blake haggerty he is a six foot one 185 pound athlete actually from Castleview high school um i believe he's a three-star athlete right cody According to 24-7? Yes, he is. He's a three-star athlete, and uh, I think the his trainer over at 6-0 Academy helped him obtain that, as he does with all of his players. So shout-out to 6-0 for always looking out. Yeah, so there you go. Plays receiver, DB. I'm going to go ahead and talk about his stats his stats on the year and so receiving wise he had 37 receptions for 473 receiving yards five receiving touchdowns and then as a runner he did get about 22 carries for a solid 108 rushing yards one rushing touchdown and then like i said he was on defense as well and so pretty much playing their full time i want to say he was over 40 plus total tackles on the season um snagged a couple turnovers here and there but you know we're talking offense here so we'll leave that out for now but let me go ahead and talk about the strengths here slash some of the reasons why Haggerty is on this list and how he made it here so number one I think the thing that really separates him from a lot of receivers in the state is that he just has excellent body control that allows him to adjust to tough thrown balls um, and get inbounds as well. There's a lot of catches he makes where, you know, he's just trying to snag the ball and then get a foot inbounds and it looks quite impossible. Not going to lie, but he twists around and, you know, does this thing and makes it happen because honestly, I'm just going to be real. Uh, the quarterback for Castleview, he's uh, pretty hot and cold sometimes and so Haggerty really helped him out here uh, making some of these sideline snags and that's kind of a staple of his game those sideline snags I would say just getting those um, just getting those catches on the edges and getting a foot inbounds in real tough situations and you see him do that a lot whether it's third down whether it's end zone whatever he goes ahead and makes that happen and uh, finds a way to come down with the ball and so there you go um the second thing i like personally is that i like his ability after the catch you could break a lot of tackles you know at six foot 185 he's a pretty stout receiver you know he has a good agility a good center of gravity and so he could definitely break a couple of tackles uh physically and uh you know 
uh, give give you a little bit more after the catch, which is what you always love to have out of a receiver. You know, have a receiver that can do a little bit more for your quarterback after the catch. So there you go. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then speaking of his frame, one more time, like I said, six foot one eighty five. That's a pretty solid frame there for um, not just D one, but for the next level in general. And honestly, Loki, he could get up there as well uh, with the best of them. And honestly, there are a lot of catches that he makes that are contested, and he just does a very good job securing the ball through physicality, through contact, and you see that quite a bit. You know, if a quarterback could just get it in there, make it a catchable ball, you know, Haggerty could go ahead and make a play on that. And so those are the things I really like about him. Uh, before I pass it on to you, Cody, and ask you some things that you like about Blake Haggerty, I just want to talk about some of his notable games here. And so um, the first one here, you know, 38-21 dub over Fairview. He had three catches, 48 receiving yards, one receiving touchdown. And then against <coughs> – excuse me. And then against Rock Canyon – okay. And then against Rock Canyon, I believe this game was kind of later in the year. Um, they lost 21 to 14, but he had a real nice game, eight receptions, 97 receiving yards, putting in a lot of work there, uh, statistically making it happen. And so there you go. That's Blake Haggerty. Uh, that's why he's on this list. I think Haggerty just has a lot of, uh, you know, raw athletic ability that can translate to the next level, you know, in terms of making catches and, uh, breaking tackles and all of that. So there you go there cody is there anything else that you want to add on before you talk about areas of improvement yeah i'm just gonna have to echo some things that you said about blake obviously the first thing that jumps off the film is just he is a contortionist by that sideline and he just has amazing body control for those acrobatic catches and his ability to kind of not only reestablish his feet in bounds for those boundary catches, but he makes acrobatic catches in the middle of the field. And when he comes back on the ground, he hits the ground running, really. And it just shows incredible, like I said, body control and just the ability to adjust on the fly to the ball and make some spectacular catches. You know, if there is a uh, spectacular catch rating, you know, uh, like in Madden for Blake Haggerty, it's definitely you know, in that mid to high 80s range, he makes some great catches. He shows just great balance, I'd also say, in order to pull off some of these catches. So I'll just echo that sentiment. And, you know, I think he has a really good understanding for how to play receiver because he is such a good defensive back who, you know, can play pretty good bump and run. I think that allows him to excel as a receiver as well. But... Without going too much further down the strengths, I mean, you mind if I talk about some areas of improvement for Haggerty here? Yeah, sorry, go for it. Yeah, so, you know, I've seen him live twice. And one of those games was, was against uh, Douglas County, right? Which that was the first time Douglas County beat Castleview in like, five years or something crazy you know they had a great squad out there at douglas county this year and the other was against pomona in the opening round of the 5a playoffs and you know there's one thing that stuck out to me both times and that was his inability to create separation 
you know, his route tree just doesn't have a lot of creativity. There's not a lot of moves that he has to create more separation. And I just think that he's way too athletic and he shows way too good a footwork in general for his lack of separation to be such a glaring issue. And it's definitely something that needs to be coached up. And, you know, while that's not like a huge list of weaknesses, that is a really bad weakness to have as a wide receiver is not being able to create separation, only being granted the separation that you're initially given. And sometimes he even squanders that by just running directly into a DB rather than throwing in a head nod, throwing in some choppy footwork, throwing some shoulder fakes, some hip twists, you know, like he's just very uncreative in his route tree and in his route running, really. And then the route tree that he ran to, this is more of a scheme thing, but it wasn't a very expansive route tree in my opinion. Uh, Simon, do you have anything else to add on before I kind of talk about some looks that he's getting on the next level? No, not too much here. I think for me, the lack of separation against Pomona was kind of a big deal. Um, I mean, they obviously have great athletes over there, so it's not like it's nobody. But, I mean, I agree. If he could be a little bit more crafty, work on his route running specifically, you know, some moves that he could subtly put on, because there are some receivers here that have very good route running, and it allows them to get open because of the subtle things that they do, then he could be a next-level type of guy easily. And I don't think it takes that much work. I mean, you know, you're going to have to commit time to it, obviously, but it's not something that's like, you know, like like a extremely bad habit that's going to take years and years and years to figure out. So there you go. But yeah, go ahead and talk about his looks, uh, his outlook here. Yeah. So, you know, kind of going a little bit in order, as at least as much as I can see from his Twitter, you know, he was wished some, you know, he, he has been given some love from USD here. And, you know, uh, like, I wouldn't say has an offer from there, but at least some interest. Then, you know, he also went out to an Air Force game as well. And he's been to a CU game or two. And then also, I believe that he has an official offer from Drake University as well. But, yeah, the USD, they said good luck in the playoffs. So, you know, that's a pretty good luck to be having. And, uh you know, he, he's a great athlete who warrants these looks. If he's not a top five wide receiver, he's also somebody that, you know, as a program, you have some flexibility with just because he is a very solid defensive back as well. And I think lastly, he has a preferred walk on to the University of Colorado. Simon, I'll pass it right back to you to give your quick thoughts on these and whether Blake should pursue any of these or if another route is something you have in mind for the three star athlete here. Yeah, no, for sure. So uh, most of them are D2 offers from at least from what I hear. And honestly, I think it's up to him, you know, because you could have a very successful like career and college experience on the D2 level. I think it's no. I mean, it's important to note here that he does have a 4.1 GPA, which is really good. And so he's pretty much a lock into into a lot of different colleges, you know, most colleges really. You know, and he will be able to get that top financial aid uh, package for the most part, which is going to be huge. And so if there's anything that his D2 offer doesn't cover, 
Well, then there you go. You know, you have that financial aid from your grades and whatnot, uh, assuming he maintains that for his senior year. And that's pretty huge because potentially that could cover like pretty much all of his college, if not near uh, all of his college for the most part here. And so that's pretty big. If he wants to go to the go to the D2 level, you know, uh, that'll work out as well. You know, he could be a star potentially on this D2 level if he develops more and, uh, you know, does his thing over there. I mean, honestly, I think he's somebody that could, uh, I mean, he's just maybe a year or two away from being one of the top receivers, you know, in a D2 college football, potentially, you know, I think he has that potential in him. And so if that's the route he wants to go, that's fine. If he wants to try that preferred walk-on at CU, I mean, that's great. You know, obviously CU is always, I mean, they're always bringing in Colorado guys, which is great and whatnot. But just know it will be a crowded, you know, receiver room for the most part. And so you got to do a lot of these little things that we talked about here to stand out. The more things you could do to stand out, the better obviously and then you know like i said he still has that 4.1 and so maybe a lot of his college can be paid for you know and uh maybe him or his family could help out with that as well until he is put on offer um so yeah so those are kind of the two options i mean he can go juco i think he could do well there but low-key if you go d2 do your time there i mean and and if you want to transfer out for your last year to a d1 that works too but I mean, do what financially makes sense and, you know, what uh, what you're really vibing with, too, because there are some really, like, fantastic D2 college campuses and uh, I guess just lifestyles in general that I feel like a lot of college kids could rock with, too. And so that's important to keep in mind. So, yeah. But, uh, Cody, what do you think here? Uh, I think Haggerty has a lot of potential, but I agree kind of with the D2 offers here for now. Yeah, so, I mean, I think these offers are appropriate because he is a raw prospect. But, you know, there's something about, you know, it, a little bit of coaching can go a long way. And if he just gets the right direction or even, you know, a few more targets, I think that we'll see a whole nother Blake Haggerty, one that's more capable and one that has more opportunities to make plays without having to make all these crazy catches that he had to make on the high school level because of you know, just where the ball was and how how the targets went. But, you know, I think that a PWO to CU is is a good thing to have. And, you know, like you said, with a 4.1 GPA, he'll, he can definitely get into CU and, you know, probably get a pretty decent academic scholarship and then enjoy a ride on their squad and, you know, maybe look to contribute on their special teams here in a couple years. Or he could go D2 maybe contribute as a first-year guy just because of his athleticism on that level. But, you know, I think either way, uh, it works out. He could even go JUCO, honestly, if he wants to try and get some more D1 looks because some JUCO coaching and developing that route tree and just those moves and stuff like that, as well as just getting the looks and the targets if he goes to a pass-heavy team could be pretty beneficial and help him get some better offers, honestly, uh, if he wants to go that way and maybe rack up a couple more D1 looks. But other than that, I agree with, uh, you know, your outlook on it. I think that he has a lot of opportunities ahead of him. 
definitely needs a bit more development before becoming a for sure D1 guy. But I think that he's capable of it and just needs some some better looks on the college level and more targets. So he could he could go into JUCO for two years and try and get more D1 looks, or he could try and earn a scholarship at CU. I mean, he already has potential, like you said, for academic stuff. On the D2 level, you know, probably some full rides are in question for him. So it's really just up to him at that point. But I, I agree with where the level he's at now, and I also see lots of potential for growth. But Yeah. I mean, you know, do what you're comfortable with. Um, yeah, that's all I got to say uh, there. Personally, I know if all of my college is paid for and I'm just chilling, I mean, outside of college, obviously you got to do that and your commitment to your team. That's that's a lot of things that are off your plate, you know, not a lot of honestly, just not a lot of people our age get to experience that. And, you know, you got to keep that in mind as well. Check that privilege and uh, be appreciative of that, you know. But like I said, you know, don't be afraid to bet on yourself either, like Cody said as well. So, yeah, but that'll basically wrap up uh, this one. So Blake Haggerty out of Castleview at number five on our list. Number four will be coming up next here. Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. I am one of your co-hosts for today, Cody Stauffer, talking about the number four receiver of the class of 2022. And last segment, we talk about Blake Haggerty out of Castleview. This segment, we are staying at the 5A level and talking about the Cherokee Trail slot receiver, Jack Pierce, 5'8", 170 pounds, 446 laser speed, making him our fastest receiver on this list. Kind of spoiler alert, kind of not. And a 3.512 GPA. So I'm just going to jump right into it here and talk about what made Jack Pierce so electric this year. He was a dynamic playmaker for this Cherokee Trail team. And, you know, I think that part of it starts with just his shiftiness, you know, he has great footwork to shake defenders before and after the catch and just create space in a lot of creative ways. He's kind of your like prototypical NFL style slot receiver, you know, where he just exploits these uh, mismatches at times against linebackers, but also just has incredible footwork and shiftiness to create room against slot corners because he does play in the Centennial League, and the Centennial League is one of the few leagues in Colorado, I'd say, who can boast you know, enough talent and athleticism to actually have a nickel cornerback as a part of their rotation. And he still succeeded even against those looks. you know. And he, he does this, like I said, through the footwork, but also he has head nods and shakes on routes to lose defenders that work pretty well, especially because he does a great job of, you know, moving his head with his routes in general anyway. So it's like a believable head fake or nod because he does typically do that. And, you know, I think that he has solid balance and he's kind of hard to take down for five, eight, 170 pounds. It's, that's a pretty stout size. I'd say, you know, at five, eight, he's like compact, but you know, his speed and acceleration and just his ability to drive his legs as well as, you know, that lower center of gravity he bounces off a defender sometimes. If they just try and go for one of those like shoulder pad hits, you might just bounce off and then take it to the house on you. So, you know, that's obviously really impressive. 
And yeah, he has, I talked about it, 446 speed. This is, you know, something that's very evident when you're watching the film. I think that, you know, he just has that other, that next gear that a lot of wide receivers in Colorado or even running backs kind of don't have. And it's just very evident on the film. And so, Simon, you actually mind if I talk about some of his statistics here before passing it to you for some strengths? Yeah, sure. Go for it. So he was a touchdown machine this past year. You know, he's kind of used as a gadget player a little bit. So he also has some rushes. But, you know, in this season, he had 10 carries for 105 yards and one score. And then, you know, he had over 100 receptions for 1,190 yards and 14 touchdowns. Like I said, once he catches the ball in space, he's super hard to catch up to. Almost no one catches him from behind. And, you know, he's been able to create separation against, like I said, some really good cornerbacks. There's even one play in his highlight reel where he creates some separation against Caden Rulo, which, if you're familiar, was our number one cornerback. I mean... He didn't, Jack Pierce didn't score. Let's not get anything twisted. But, you know, to still create space against the best cornerback in the senior class of Colorado is something that is impressive in and of itself. So, you know, he he just finds ways to get into the end zone and finds ways to, you know, shake defenders no matter what, what he's up to. So, you know, just a really good athlete overall at a Cherokee Trail. Simon, you want to talk about some more strengths and then maybe some areas of improvement for the slot receiver out of Cherokee trail. Yeah, for sure. So, um, honestly, excuse me, honestly agree with everything you had to say here. Um, he's a fast dude who is going to be, uh, more of a gadget guy, probably on the next level if he does go D one and whatnot. So there you go there. But let me talk about uh, some of his games here, some of his notable games throughout this season, because he had some good ones. Uh, I'm going to kind of start in reverse order, though, and talk about his playoff game against Fossil Ridge, the first one. They won that one, 41 to 29, and he was big in that one, um, snagging 13 receptions for 223 receiving yards, five receiving touchdowns, absolutely tearing them up against Grandview. Um, he actually had 10 receptions, 90 receiving yards. He had a receiving touchdown. I don't know. It wasn't on Caden Rulo, was it? But he No, said, it was on number two. Okay, yeah. Okay, so there you go. But, you know, still did a solid job. That's a good secondary in general. Then against Arapahoe, they beat them 42 to tw- – or, sorry, they lost 42 to 24. My bad. They lost to them. But he, ate, he had 16 receptions, 143 receiving yards, and one receiving touchdown. Obviously, he could catch the ball. I mean, physicality is probably not the biggest concern here as far as catching it because you do see these double-digit receptions here against some pretty physical, uh, you know, teams in the state of Colorado. So there you go there. But let me go ahead and talk about uh, some areas of improvement slash more so concerns than anything. Like, it's really not too much that he could really uh, control, I guess. And so number one, is probably a small frame, 5'8", 170. I mean, it's just not the greatest, you know, and, you know, it is what it is, but it definitely affects his versatility. Like, he's probably not the guy to throw out there and, like, you know, just rely on him to go get a great block, you know. I don't think that's really his his game, 
right there. Like, he can. He's a willing blocker. But I don't know how great of a matchup that is. So, uh, there you go there. And then, obviously, I mean, if you're in the red zone, you can't go. I mean, you you need to have him out there with more than, like, one or two other receivers, for sure. Like if it's four wide, he that's where he's gonna that's where he's gonna, you know, succeed for sure. But like if it's like kind of a you know, a shorter situation in the red zone and whatnot, I mean he's only five eight, one seventy. He's not gonna moss anybody to get in. You're gonna have to scheme him in and uh either get him on a drag or, you know, something <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but you're gonna have to scheme him in to the to the red zone if you're that close and whatnot uh just because i don't know and then you know like i said he can make contested catches uh, but you know if he's doubled that's probably a wrap if it's in the end zone so like i said just in general because of his frame it just limits uh where he can be used and his versatility i mean he can be used a lot of different other ways and contribute a lot to uh um, you know to teams going on on the next level because of his speed and just his uh pure athletic ability but it's not going to be in probably some key like you know like if you need a fourth and one or a fourth and short or like a goal line sitch like i don't know if you throw him in there um outside of just having him in there just so that defenses respect the fold in your offense that is jack pierce so there you go and then lastly i mean played a lot of slot receiver pretty much is just a slot receiver obviously not a work as an outside receiver and you know that's definitely a little bit of a problem and you know what i'm gonna allow cody to talk about that you know that and some other things that are maybe some airs of improvement for jack pierce here before we talk outlook yeah so you know how if you listen to our list last year you know how hard it is to make this list as a slot receiver so it's special that he even made it on here because of his speed and athleticism but First off, he just does not run as many routes as you would want out of your slot guy. Like, I think that, you know, maybe it's scheme, but, you know, there's a lot of motion kind of routes that he has, which is cool and all. But, like, I want to see more in between the hashes, shiftiness work, finding the open space in the field, a lot more spot routes, option routes where he makes a read. You know, we didn't get to see him really improvise too much with the quarterback in this system or you know at cherokee trail so i don't know how that's going to look because those are some things that you want out of your slot receivers and they should be probably your you know they should be really really good route runners if they are exclusively slot receivers and i don't know if that necessarily applies to jack pierce not to mention that once you put him outside you know he has like maybe one or two plays on the outside in like his entire film and they're basically a hitch route and a go route which is not, you know, it doesn't give you a lot of versatility and it doesn't fool people what he's going to do. Like he's going to run go routes. He's going to run, you know, the occasional post out of the slot and try and, you know, be cover two looks and he's going to run a lot of out routes. So you kind of are limited by what you can do with him. Simon alluded to that a little bit, especially in like certain game situations. There's just times where he won't be on the field. I also want to note that he doesn't have the strongest hands on this list. There are times on his film where it cuts out when he starts to get hit. And it's like, okay, well, 
my hunch is telling me that you dropped that ball. Otherwise, you would show you celebrating the touchdown like you did the other 14 times on the film. So, you know, he has that. And, you know, occasionally whenever he gets to the sideline, uh, cornerbacks have been shown to punch the ball out as well. So ball security might be an issue for him, which is not a great thing when you're five foot eight heading into, you know, potentially the division one level where you're going to get rocked by some 230 pound like three-star linebacker out of texas who has been waiting his entire life for you to run a slant at him unfortunately you have to make those catches like that's that's what's expected of you at the receiver position and that is a concern i have here for jack pierce and then i also think that you know just as catching traffic in general is really inconsistent because you have some plays where he's like hyper focused and he makes a great catch you know with like three bodies around him which is you know that's a strength but then other times you know you'll get like there'll be a safety kind of behind him you know and a cornerback trailing him and then he kind of bobbles it a little bit and catches it with his body more and so you want to catch with your hands every single time hands is a very bad weakness to have as a wide receiver and uh, if he wasn't such a crazy athlete, you know, it would be hard to put him on this list. But he is a crazy athlete and he is getting some collegiate looks because of said athleticism and, you know, big play capabilities. Simon, you mind if I kind of dive into it a little bit? Yeah, go for it. Uh, also, by the way, this is being recorded on November 23rd. So that's uh, those are the offers we're looking at. So just keep that in mind. But yeah, go yeah. for it. And I'm going to talk about some visits too. Uh, he did have a game day visit at West Texas A&M, which is a place that offered, you know, our college analyst, Jesse Booten, a preferred walk-on and, uh, you know, a chance to potentially earn a scholarship there. They like their slot receivers. They have a system that is conducive to said receiver and so that might be a good fit depending on what the offer is that he does get and then you know he had another visit for school of mines and he really liked the atmosphere there and gave a shout out to you know mines there he has an offer it was his first official offer to adam state university that is a d2 down in alamosa in colorado and then he also just received an offer from Simon and I's alma mater, University of Northern Colorado. And yeah, that's his first and only D1 offer, as, like Simon said, as of November 23rd. Simon, I'm going to pass it to you for your raw reaction to some of these offers that, you know, it's kind of an interesting field of offers that he's looking at and uh, one that kind of gets you thinking. I'm trying to remember, is West Texas A&M, are they FCS or D2? I can never remember with them, even though I have friends who play for who played for them. Do you know? I'm pretty sure that they're a Division One. No, they're D two. They're D two. They're in the Lone Star Conference. Okay, no, but they have a sense. really explosive offense. That's why it's easy to confuse. And I'm pretty sure that they've sent some guys to the NFL, even out of D two. They have. There's been some last chance you guys that have went there as well. So, yeah. And then, you know, go to the NFL. So that's interesting. I mean, I think, honestly, it depends what Jack Pierce wants. I think with UNC offering, it's very possible that a lot more D1s could potentially offer here soon. 
you know, and so he has some time. When this is coming out, it might be a whole month from when we're recording this. So a lot could happen, you know, for sure. But obviously, you have a great opportunity at UNC. I mean, I like that they're helping out Colorado talent and offering some of these kids finally. I think Jack Pierce is definitely deserving of that. For sure, don't get it twisted. You know, I mean, he's a great athlete. He's somebody that could add another fold into the offense uh, that UNC has. That's been a little, you know, um, I don't want to offend our guys over there, you know, because I know we both, I mean, you know, more players over there that are still on the team right now. But, uh, you know, they, they don't have the most amount of speed. We'll just say that. I have a lot of six three six four receivers, you know. Um, not not a whole ton of burners out there, and so that would be a real big steal for UNC for sure there. But obviously, I do think because of his athleticism, I mean, and with the right coaching staff, he could be a very, very valuable guy on a lot of D1 teams, probably FCS teams. Loki, I think Eastern Washington would be a team that could, you know, be a pretty good fit. You know, I think uh, they're uh, similarly built like UNC, except they do it better, obviously, and they have way better defense. But I think Jack Pierce would really help them out and, you know, add a little bit more speed to that offense over there uh, and help them out. You know, I, I could see a lot of actually big sky teams uh, offering Jack Pierce here once the FCS playoffs are over. Cause I know that bracket, at least at this time was just set this last week. And, and there are like five or six big sky teams that made it in, uh, which is pretty interesting. And then I want to say two of them, I want to say two of them have first round buys too. And so when things calm down, you know, a little bit more there. And then obviously with, you know, FBS teams as well, if there is uh, some interest there, but I think he's more of an FCS guys. But when, whenever, when things calm down, I think you could see some big sky teams, you know, take a look at him and be like, hey, you know, is this somebody that we could steal from UNC? Because as it stands right now, I'm, let's just be real, you know, and I know there are some UNC coaches that listen to this, uh, that follow us on Twitter, whatever, you know, and we appreciate that. But, Northern Colorado isn't exactly the greatest uh, big sky location if you're a recruit. And if you have multiple offers from big sky teams, you know, that's just the reality of it. You know, if you if they're your only D1 offer, then obviously they look pretty good. But, you know, Montana offers, Montana State, Eastern Washington, Weber, um, uh, Portland State. Portland State, I want to say? Yep. Uh, Cal Poly, like some of those like California teams, you know, the competition gets pretty stiff as far as Big Sky goes. And so um, I think he could definitely be a Big Sky type of player and contribute to a championship run on a lot of these teams that are currently making their championship run right now. So, yeah. But, Cody, what do you think? I think that, you know, UNC is graduating a lot of senior or you know, graduate class level receivers this year and next year. And there's going to be a pretty big void that needs to be filled. And uh, Jack Pierce offers you at least a little bit of comfort in that transition period. And, you know, it could be a very exciting offense here in a couple of years. I mean, they did offer running back Bryce Vaz. They've also offered Jack Pierce here. You have some guys that are versatile kind of gadget guys, and you can get 
a really crazy offense going just with those two as the foundation of it, honestly. And then, you know, they offer a former number one quarterback out of the class of 21 in Luke McAllister. You might be brewing up uh, a functional offense, you know, and uh, one that's consistent, too, and one that, you know, you'll get the same level of production out of every week. So, you know, I think UNC is obviously hoping to, you know, kind of sneak this one in here. But Jack Pierce, you know, definitely a FCS level guy in general. What do you think about our big sky rivals swooping in and potentially taking him from UNC just because they can? Well, it makes me sad. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Do you think they do it? If you're a Montana State, do you look at Jack Pierce and you're like, hmm, you know what? Just to hurt UNC. I'm going to go ahead and get this guy. Here's the thing, right? I don't think Big Sky teams are really threatened by UNC as it stands right now after this last season, too. And so I don't know if they do that just to, like, kneecap UNC. I mean, they could. But I think that UNC does have an advantage recruiting Jack Pierce here. Because, you know, he's being recruited by Ed McCaffrey. And there's, like, there's something special about being a Colorado kid growing up watching Ed McCaffrey, especially as a wide receiver, and then, you know, getting a chance to play for him on the collegiate level. That's that's kind of special. It really is. And so, you know, obviously there is chances and opportunities for these other big sky schools to swoop, swoop in on Jack Pierce here. But at the bare minimum, you know, you can say, oh, it was Ed McCaffrey's first year. You know, like they have excuses at the time right now. And um, you know, Ed McCaffrey being recruited by Ed McCaffrey is like uh Colorado wide receiver's dream come true in some sense. So, you know, they sure. have that advantage for sure going for them in this recruiting, regardless of Greeley not being the most um, desirable place to live in the big sky. Well, yes, but I also meant, I mean, because how many low four, four guys are you going to have on your team? If you're these other big sky teams? Well, they're not coming from their own States unless you're in Washington. Yeah. Or Cali. So that's, I mean, that's where I'm coming from. Like, I mean, they're not just going to get him, you know, just because, just to, you know, hurt UNC. They would get him so that, you know, they could have a great player on their team and stack their team a little bit more instead of UNC just because they can. Is what I meant by that. Yeah, he's an asset. I'll, yeah. I'll agree that he's an asset and a must-have on your roster. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. We'll see. Um, I'm sure a lot has changed. Um yeah, I'm sure a lot has changed by the time this episode comes out. So uh, so there you go. But if that is basically all we got to say, you know, there you go. Jack Pierce, number four on our list from Cherokee Trail High School. The slot receiver, probably the only slot receiver really on this list. So there you go there. Um, but we're going to go ahead and take a break here before we talk about our number three guy on this list coming up next.
It is one of your co-hosts, Cody Stopper here, back on your favorite scouting center for Colorado football, Playmakers Corner. And we are doing our top five senior receivers of the class of 2022. And here at number three at the midway point, we have someone right from my backyard here in Nick Stone, the Mountain Vista receiver, weighing in at 180 pounds, standing at six foot one. And being uh, quite the intelligent guy here with a 4.1 GPA and a 33 ACT. So, uh, hey, recruits, this guy's got some brains. But on top of that, he is a – what you say? I think you meant recruiters, not other recruits. Oh, yeah, recruiters. Uh, This guy's got brains, but he's also got some skills. You know, he is a run-after-catch scoring threat at any point on on the field you know he just has another gear that you know i he had he has an acceleration that is just not expected out of someone who's at six foot 180 pounds he moves like a gazelle through defenses and he finds ways into the end zone and he's punctured some of the best defenses in the state really i mean he had i he got on my radar when Mason Austin and I went to the Arapahoe versus Mountain Vista game and Arapahoe only lost three times this year. And one of those losses was to these Mountain Vista Eagles here and Nick Stone specifically, who was torching this secondary, whether it was back shoulder catches back of the end zone, toe taps or cross field routes where he cuts it back inside and makes a couple guys miss and finds the end zone. And I think that, you know, that display with, just that versatility of ways that he can make plays was as good of a selling point as any for liking Nick Stone here and, you know, him ending up on this list. As I mentioned, you know, one of his touchdowns was a toe tapper in the back of the end zone. He has great feet and positioning, and he doesn't just try and get one foot in. He tries to get both feet in just to not leave any room for doubt on, you know, if it's a catch or not. So you love just like the ability there and the athleticism to do something like that. And, you know, on top of that, he's super athletic and he catches with his hands very well. He has very strong hands and is through and through a true receiver who doesn't really rely on his body because, you know, he did have to make some kind of crazy catches this year. I think that's partially because, you know, over at Mountain Vista, they were running a two quarterback system. So chemistry, especially early on in the season, was kind of difficult to establish when you had a senior and a freshman throwing the football. But Nick Stone still found a way to ball out. I'll let Simon allude to the rest of the stats here in a minute. But, you know, he has just on top of that athleticism, you know, he runs routes from both the inside and the outside. And he shows great field awareness and manipulation, you know. He's able to find the open grass whenever he goes to the middle of the field on some routes that require, you know, reading the open part of the defense on spot routes. He definitely runs option routes. And, you know, I think another thing that's really impressive is he can line up on the tight side of the field as the outside receiver, run an out route and still have room to catch the ball and get upfield and make a move as well. So, you know, just showing that control and 
that speed and accelerate that combination of just overall awareness of what he is as an athlete and what he brings to the football field is really impressive and mature for a high school football athlete. I was very impressed seeing him live and even more so impressed watching his film, you know, and just a couple other things that he does really well that, you know, I like is on top of running routes from inside and outside. He has a few different moves to get off the press you know, whether he does like a little head shake inside or a stutter step or a slow start and then quick burst of acceleration. He just has ways to get off of the press and, you know, create some separation, you know, for these Mountain Vista quarterbacks and to find the end zone, which he did very often this season. And um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and pass it to Simon for, you know, just some things that Simon noticed about Nick Stone's film as well as some of his stats this year from, you know, a really impressive receiver just right here in Highlands Ranch. What do you know? Yep. Uh, so Nick Stone, honestly, just in general, I mean, his film just pops out. Um, it just pops out, you know, like you look at it and it's like, dang, there's a lot of things that just kind of um, stand out to you. I mean, he's an explosive athlete. He has very good hands, you know. He could go up there and, you know, beat out some defenders, multiple defenders for the football. You see that happen quite a bit. But the thing I like most is uh, honestly probably his stats because, like you said, Cody, for the mo- for the majority of this season, uh, Mountain Vista did run – sorry, Mountain Vista did run more of a two-quarterback kind of system – with their better quarterback, who would ultimately be the full-time starter, uh, Austin Majewski, being a freshman. And so he did a lot to help out both of these quarterbacks, um, and, you know, especially this young one in Austin as well. And so on this season, he had 59 receptions, 850 receiving yards, 10 receiving touchdowns. I'm going to go ahead and talk about his notable games here. Um, the first one is the game that Cody was at against Arapaho, where Mountain Vista did win 27-17. to 17. Uh, In that game, he had seven receptions, 147 receiving yards, four receiving touchdowns. And, you know, Arapaho, I know they've been... I mean, they're a notable game for Jack Pierce here as well. Uh, But they don't have bad athletes or like a horrible defense either. So for him to do that, that's pretty big. Against Cassaview, they lost this one by one, 42 to 41. But he had nine receptions, 156 receiving yards, uh, two receiving touchdowns. And then against a legacy, obviously they have um, the, I think it's the number three corner in the state. At least that's what we ranked in Braden Keith, who, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know if he was on Nick Stone or not, but Stone went off and they won this one 42 to 17, but he had eight receptions, 120 receiving yards, uh, one receiving touchdown. And so he's had some pretty notable games here. He has had some signature games here that have kind of, you know, helped out his stock a lot, obviously. And statistically, uh, considering the situation he was in, it's pretty good. You know, if you imagine him with, a you know, with a full-time starter, with a quarterback that they stuck with since the beginning of the season, you know, there's definitely potential for these stats to be much better than this, which is pretty solid, as is at 850 receiving yards and 10 receiving touchdowns. But, Cody, do you mind if I go ahead and talk about areas of improvements here? Send it. All right, so I don't have too many, to be completely honest with you. I have these two main ones that I see as kind of a... 
like the thing holding him back from being either one or two you know and even then there's still a lot there but i think he could probably be a little bit more physical against the press he has a lot of finesse moves at the line which is fine but i'd like to continue to see him develop that bag you know i mean he's not like a small receiver he's 6'1 180 you know there's not gonna be a whole ton of corners um outside of like maybe the d1 fbs level that's gonna be at that size and so you know he i would expect him to dominate physically a little bit more at the line of scrimmage um i like that he has finesse moves for sure you know but he could definitely develop that bag there and then the other thing here is that he's just not like i guess the shiftiest player after the catch you know he i mean he could do his thing and all that obviously with his top end speed you know with uh, some of that strength there as well but uh, he could definitely work on his shiftiness, so that's just working on lateral quickness, agility. I think there is potential there. Like, it's not like it's horrible, but I think it could definitely be developed a little bit more to make him a lot more lethal here. Uh, Cody, is there anything else you want to add on before we talk Outlook? I mean, I got to agree that, you know, his run after catch comes mostly from his gear of speed and not from his shiftiness. So he could definitely work on that. And then I also wish he could create more separation, you know, with a little bit of physicality in press. You know, a lot of his different press releases are super finesse. But, I mean, bro, you're 6'1", 180. Push the cornerback. Like, get get off the line and, you know, use. don't be afraid to use your hands. And, you know, if they're going to put their hands on you, put your hands right back on them and give them a good shove. I mean, just, gosh. Wide receiver has a really bad rep of being, you know, this kind of finesse soft position but when you're 6'1 180 like you could be a dog and just knock somebody over and get a good release on him because if they're gonna put their hands on you within that five yards i mean almost anything goes and so you get a good shove then you'll get some really free touchdowns and i think that that's not necessarily a bad thing to have and then lastly you know i think that his hands help him comp while i said his hands are a strength they do help him compensate for some bad positioning at times. But I'm going to talk about some of his offers now. I'm just going to jump right into it here. He has an offer to Colorado School of Mines. And, you know, obviously that is a very prestigious school to get an offer from. And, you know, we're excited for him there. And then, you know, I just want to note that he did go to a Princeton football camp earlier this year. Uh, I believe it was in July. And he also went to a Yale football camp this year, also in July. So, you know, when you have a 33 ACT and a 4.1 GPA, you start getting looks from some of these Ivy League schools. And the fact that you're a really good football player doesn't hurt either. And I really like the prospect of Nick Stone going Division One in the Ivy League. I think that's his best chance. And, you know, that's a huge accomplishment in and of itself. We've covered some Ivy League athletes on this show, you know, with Hugh Jones, our number one running back at 21, and Jadaris Carr, who, you know, he played in the spring. Otherwise, he probably would have been on our top five. And they just duped it out over the Ivy League title, you know, so... There's plenty of talent of football at those Ivy League schools. And, uh, you know, Nick Stone's got both the brains and the brawn 
to compete at that level. Simon, what do you think of the offers that he has or the offer he has so far to Mines and the prospect of him being an Ivy League football player? Well, it's obvious he's a smart guy uh, with the GPA and with the ACT score. That is near perfect a ACT score. I shoot. I want to say it's either 35, 36 in that range. That's 36, perfect. I think, is perfect. Yeah, so there you go. I know I didn't score a 33. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I didn't either, but also I wasn't trying. So there you go. But not that I would have made it even if I was trying. So, yeah, but he's a smart dude. And so I like – okay, I'm just going to be real here. I would probably like if he was to get a couple more Ivy League offers, um, you know, here soon. I know – I mean, they're basically FCS, and so they're hitting that playoffs pretty soon here. And I know as of now, November 23rd, I think this Sunday is actually when uh, coaches and whatnot could start contacting players and see them in person, actually. And so maybe a lot changes between now and like a month from now. Well, a, a lot should change between now and a month from now. So there you go there. I mean... Honestly, I think he is somebody uh, that can succeed on that level. I think he's an Ivy League type of guy. And honestly, I mean, if you can get an opportunity to play football on that level, uh, that's big. And I'm not sure if Ivy League offers scholarships for uh, that stuff. I assume they do, you know, but I don't know. I, maybe I, I thought I saw something about Harvard not being able to, but maybe that was just for their basketball program. And I'm just tripping. But I mean, if an Ivy League comes knocking and they're like, hey, how about you come play for us? And, you know, obviously, you know, we'll see if you could get into the school and whatnot, which I think you can. Then that's big. You know, I'd rather take an Ivy League offer than a Colorado School of Mines offer. But also, if he does just want to do football, you know, I think he's somebody who could potentially be a D1 guy right now. I think as it stands, he's probably closer to a D2 like a little bit more on Blake Haggerty's level, but a better athlete, I would say. And so that's kind of where I'm coming from with all of that, you know. And, you know, if he wants to go Juco, that's fine. I'm sure, you know, he could get his uh, community college stuff paid for with the kind of grades he has. Um, but honestly, I think he will be one of those guys that will potentially gain some offers down the stretch here near kind of closer to commitment day than anything so or signing day than anything so just keep an eye out for that but i think right now he's probably d2 guy with d1 potential uh fcs or fbs in my opinion he just needs a little bit more development so yeah but uh i'm gonna have to agree and i think that does it for nick stone right yeah yeah that does so we are now past the halfway point and coming up next we'll talk about the number two receiver in the senior class of colorado what's good y'all welcome back to the playmakers corner podcast we're gonna go ahead and talk about our number two receiver here in the class of 2022 and we did kind of go back and forth on this one um but i think we're pretty solid pretty sold on him right here though i mean he's a very good receiver and that is jackson brush out of legend high school 
He is 5'10", 165 pounds. Um, that's the heaviest I found, Cody. I don't know if you found heavier or if I'm just spreading false news. So. Nope, 165. That's the that's heaviest I found. So there you go. But, you know, he's had he has had some signature games here that kind of separated him from others. And obviously he's a talent. I'm going to talk about his stats first, actually. So on the year, he had 46 receptions, 779 receiving yards, 11 receiving touchdowns. And this is uh, as of November 23rd. And so obviously if they go deeper into the playoffs slash, if he has a monster game, this next playoff game, you know, those stats change. So there you go. But his notable games was against Pine Creek. Uh, very good defense. They won 26-23 to 23 in that one. He had five receptions, 100, 113 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. And then against Regis Jesuit, who also has a pretty good uh, defense just in general. You know, they won that one 42-41 in another close one. He had five receptions, 189 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. So he's a guy who could produce. We know that, you know, statistically. But let me talk about his game. And honestly, I think the thing that is really a staple of Jackson Rush's game here is that he's just a very good route runner, one of the better ones that we've seen uh, today. Obviously, I think I'd still have Chase Penry up there, but Jackson Rush is right next to him at number two because he is just a very crisp route runner. Um, You know, part of that is because he has extremely quick feet and his breakdowns really throw corners off and he sells his routes extremely well. But, you know, that is probably his best quality. This allows him to get open in a bunch of different ways. If you're just looking at his film, you know, I mean, there are a bunch of different moves he puts on uh, corners and defenders. And, you know, I mean, he just finds a way to run those routes super well. And so that's definitely something that we got to give him credit for, because that's something that, uh, you know, we've criticized a lot of other guys on this list. And, you know, obviously evaluating other people's film, that was a big thing as well. And so easily probably the best route runner in the state right now. Uh, yeah, actually, period, probably, to be honest with you. Another thing that I really like about Jackson Brush, um, you know, is his run after the catch ability. This is probably the next staple or the other staple in his game. You know, he is very quick. He can make a lot of guys miss. He has a bag, you know, and he's just your classic quick receiver that can make a lot of things happen between, you know, the point he catches the ball and then the point where he's getting tackled you know he can make a lot happen make a lot of dudes miss you know he's somebody that helps out quarterbacks a lot because you could throw a hitch or a slant or whatever and he'll do his thing from there so that's the biggest thing uh, or one of the biggest things that i really like about his game and then lastly um he has very solid hands you know he shows it from time to time because there are some high passes here and there uh, where he just goes up and gets the ball if needed and you know he's only 5 10 165 but he could definitely get up there and make plays be a playmaker and we love to see that and so jackson brush i mean he is just He's a, just a very good athlete, you know, with a bag, you know, with excellent route running, um, with good athleticism, obviously, between his agility and his speed. He can make it happen. So there you go there. Cody, do you have anything else you want to add on before we talk or before you talk about areas of improvements? I just want to continue to enunciate that his separation on routes is the best in this senior class. Absolutely. He runs really crisp 
routes and he gets really good cuts that lead to just lots of separation you know I have to talk about the one play on this film. I think it's the second or third play in where he runs a double move and the cornerback literally falls down, literally snatched his ankles and ended up scoring a touchdown on an easy, easy catch. So I also think that, you know, he goes up for some passes and he has strong hands and he's able to withstand some hits. He gets nailed quite a bit in his highlight reel. Uh, obviously, you know, his frame might have something to do with that too, but he gets rocked and he holds on to the ball, which is all you can ask of a receiver. And that's exactly what I would want in a receiver that, you know, I'm either recruiting and it's especially one that I'd want from one that I'm coaching, you know, is like make the catch no matter what, you know, you can run an ugly route, which he doesn't, you could not have a lot of separation, which he always gets and you could get rocked. And all I care about is that you caught the ball. Well, and your safety, of course. But you know what I mean as far as on a football play analysis perspective. And so I think that, you know, on top of, you know, these cuts that lead to lots of separation on routes, he utilizes the exact same footwork to beat press constantly. And, you know, this footwork and body control allows for a variety of ball carrier moves. You know, he has a pretty solid spin move, all things considered. Whenever he's out in the open field, he has some quick cuts. He can make some big jukes to avoid defenders here. And I think that he runs a really solid route variety, maybe the most in the state as well, being, you know, that he runs so runs routes so well. That opens up a lot more of the playbook. And, you know, this legend offense is one of the best, if not the best in the state. So that obviously is conducive to his production and his numbers here out in Parker. But talking about some areas of improvement that I'd have. Uh, obviously, Simon, you kind of addressed the frame a little bit, but I'll stay away from that in case you want to touch up on it again. But, you know, while he is a very shifty receiver, sometimes he dances just way too much and should just take what the defense gives him north to south. Um, it, it, yeah, he just dances around too much and he'll end up like losing yard or not being able to gain yards because he's going to like back and forth instead of just get up the field, you know? And I think you can kind of apply that as well to his just ball carrier vision. You know, he has the moves, but he doesn't really have the vision. And you could see this because, you know, his wide receiver screens, he routinely picks up yards. But I think, you know, if he just shows a little bit more patience and, you know, he kind of uses his blockers rather than, you know, they're kind of coincidentally there blocking for him. If he uses his blockers and follows them, then he probably has a couple more touchdowns on this year. I got to be honest, probably two more touchdowns that he left on the field, just not waiting for, you know, his linemen to pick up the block and instead running past them and then getting tackled. You know what I mean? When he had the time. And so in turn, obviously, you know, spatial awareness of other players is something that, you know, you could potentially work on and that'll just come with time and more snaps. Uh, which is not the worst thing ever. Um, Simon, do you have any other areas of improvement before you kind of, you know, place a level of recruitment on Jackson Brush and then I can fill you in on where he actually is at? Yeah, um, not too much. I think his top end speed is definitely a little bit of a problem. What it was it listed at a four or five or four or six, Cody? I can't remember. Is 40 he has dash. a 4-6 40-yard Yeah, 
it definitely shows, you know, because he's very quick, you know, I mean, that's not like you can't take that for granted. And so if you're going to not have the greatest 40 yard dash, you know, having elite quickness, which I feel like he does, is going to be huge. And so, you know, maybe that's uh, the only other thing. I don't know. I mean, he could work on his explosiveness training and whatnot, but I think he's probably capped around four five. Four six. I don't think he's a four four guy. So, you know, just uh, there you go. There at least. I mean, it's gonna take some work to get to four four, but n- it's not always about that. You know, I think right now he's just fine at where he's at. That's probably the only other gripe. I mean, there's his frame as well, but he can't control that he's five ten. Maybe if he puts on a couple more pounds, you know, uh, I would feel a little bit better about him if he could get to the one seventy five. 180 range i think that's totally fine if he's 175 180 and he maintains his speed and his agility and all that like screw it like it's fine you know um but that's really the only things there um i don't okay so i don't know about his offers right now but personally i think he's probably a d1 guy depending on the fbs school I could see him in there, you know, but I would probably say he's more of an FCS type of guy. I mean, his frame is the thing that's holding him back. If he was like 6'2", 6'3", you know, or even 6'1", I would say, like, that would be a pretty big game changer for sure, but he's not. And so I think he is an FCS guy. He's somebody that does work inside and outside in the slot, outside receiver as well, which adds value because of his versatility. You know what he can do. And, you know, there are some 5'10", 5'11", receivers that are still big playmakers out there, not just in college, but in the NFL. And so um, I think he's still really valuable, uh, mostly because of his route running and his after the catch ability. Those are the things that really stand him out from not just players in Colorado, but in the entire country. But Cody, do you want to talk about some uh, potential offers or looks he might be getting so far? Yeah, so he's definitely under recruited. I got to agree with you that he's an FCS level talent. Currently, his biggest interest is from New Mexico Highland University. They've made a lot of edits and official offers to him. Uh, I believe his first offer, yeah, that was in July. So that was kind of a long time ago. And just recently, uh, this was yesterday or two days ago from when we recorded this on 11-23, he got an official offer to Lion Football, uh, Lion College. And so both of these are obviously not FCS looks, but, you know, I think with some more time that he does get more looks just because of how dominant he has been. He plays way bigger than his frame implies, at least height wise, you know, with the athleticism and his ability to kind of climb an invisible staircase to make some catches. He plays like he's six foot. Like I genuinely thought he was a six foot guy until I saw him get hit one time. I was like, oh. Kind of looks pretty light, but, you know, like Simon said, he can get up to 170. You can live with that and still be pretty dominant. Just getting in that weight room, getting stronger, too, and just being more stout would be beneficial to his college career. But he is definitely, he's an FCS player, in my opinion. I think that, you know, he's a way better route runner than the likes of Jack Pierce, who's an FCS guy. And... You know, just his ability to create separation in a variety of ways makes him an asset for any school. Yeah, 
pretty much. Uh, shout out to my boy Chris Reese over at Lyon College. He's going to graduate this year, so they're not going to play on the same team if he does commit to them. Um, but shout out to my boy Chris Reese from P-Town. So anyways, uh, yeah, no, I'd have to agree. Him. There's nothing wrong with going FCS. Cooper Cup was an FCS guy. You know, I mean, obviously he's like six two, six three, and he played for Eastern Washington. Um, you but, just want to plug your fantasy team MVP, bro. Um, well, even without Cooper Cup, let's face it, <laughs> I was gonna win our dynasty league anyways. Uh, well, but we don't no, know that. Well, sure. we're not gonna talk but about anyways. that. It's not a fantasy <laughs> podcast yet. So, Jackson Brush. I would have I, Jackson Brush on my <laughs> fantasy football team. All right, sell out. Well, well, not sell out, but <laughs> well, but Jackson Brush, he's good. You know, I think. Oh man, I just think he's an FCS guy. I think UNC should offer him low key. You know, he's just one of those shifty. I mean, you know, he probably fits the stereotype. I'm not even gonna lie, but he's just one of those shifty, like good route running <laughs> type of receivers that could do a lot for your team. He'll move the sticks, you know. He'll move the sticks, which is all you could ask for. And he has sure hands. <clears throat> yeah, and he has sure hands, and you know, he's gonna run the right route. He's gonna get separation. He's gonna make it easier for quarterbacks to find him. Uh, and so I think he could be a, a lot of quarterbacks' best friends, low key, on this next level here. I think it's a matter of time. If he does go JUCO, uh, that's fine. I mean, it's always fine to go JUCO, to be honest with you. It's never a bad thing. But I think right now he is an FCS guy and could play right now on an FCS team. So there you go. I mean, you know, probably after a red shirt, put on some weight. But after that, I think he could contribute for an FCS team, you know, especially for those teams that are more like, uh, you know, spread air raid types that need multiple receivers uh, to do something after the catch. I think he could fit in extremely well there and be valuable just because of his abilities. So, so yeah. Um, I mean, that's all I got to say about Jackson Rush. Do you have anything else to add? No, we'll just uh, be coming right back with our number one receiver of the class of 2022 coming up next. Hey, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. We are talking about the top five receivers of the class of 2022, so our senior receivers. And just as a quick review, we started off at number five with Blake Haggerty out of Castleview High School. Number four was Jack Pierce out of Cherokee Trail High School. Number three was Nick Stone out of Mountain Vista High School. And number two was Jackson Brush out of Legend High School. And so obviously, whenever doing these lists, you end up with some names that just don't quite make the cut. And here are some honorable mentions here. Anthony Harris Jr., that's obviously a pretty big guy who gets missed on this list just because of opportunities, really. Um, you know, he is like double or triple covered on every play. So it's really hard to get good film of him on, you know, his highest plane of potential. Josh Dunn is another guy who just narrowly misses this list, a very physical receiver who I had a lot of fun watching his film. Then speaking of, you know, up north, you're missing the tandem of Jack Mole and Caleb Johnson out of Longmont, who had incredibly impressive statistical seasons, as well as Chase Tompkins out of Thunder Ridge is another guy who just misses out. Another northern guy, Keaton Kaiser, 
He's a very good receiver out there at Roosevelt. On the 2A level, the only guy who really got on our radar is Jaden Hedelius out of Berthet. He's an incredible athlete who was fun to watch his film. And then, you know, a couple of other guys here on the 5A level who just missed. We just didn't quite get Kai O'Day Jr. in here. He has incredible speed, but some concerns with his hands and the way he bobbles a lot of passes were, you know, kind of a red flag for us. And so he just misses there. Ben Anderson, the senior receiver out of Fairview High School, he put on a really good, impressive highlight reel. And, you know, he was a part of Beckham Kritz's historical season as one of the best freshman quarterbacks in recent memory. So, you know, shout out to him and that entire receiving core. And the last honorable mention here is Bryson Torrey out of Vista Peak Prep, who just narrowly misses this list. But, you know, he'll see a familiar face here at number one. Isn't that right, Simon? Yeah. Now, number one, the number one receiver in the class of 2022 here in the state of Colorado is his teammate, Jordan Mayfield, the 6'2", 185-pound receiver out of Vista Peak Prep. He on this, I'm going to talk about his stats first, obviously, uh, but on the season, he had 740 receiving yards, six receiving touchdowns on 35 receptions. So there you go. Low key. Actually, I'm just looking at this right now. That might be the lowest amount of receptions anybody has brought in. Um, yeah, it is. But he has pretty good stats that are pretty similar to a lot of these guys. So that should tell you all you need to know. But Jordan Mayfield, I mean, he's a beast. I got to see him live against Ponderosa. And Ponderosa, uh, they did win that one 21-0. But I feel like it was a lot closer of a game than it was. In that game, and I'm reading off the stats that they put down in that game. But he had seven receptions for 116 receiving yards. That is minus like 350 plus yard plays he had where I think one, he took one off the slant for like 50 plus yards. The other one, he just mossed the safety and like, oh, he killed him for that catch basically. And then the other one was another big play off of a slant that he just took uh, to the house. That was all called back. All three of them were called back. And so. You know, with that being said, still seven receptions, 116 receiving yards. That could have got more out of him, and that game would have been a lot more crazy if it wasn't for the refs, to be honest with you. And then uh, another big notable game he had was against Antares. They won that one 44-12 pretty handedly, but that's his best statistical game, I want to say. He had seven receptions for 163 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns. Now, the thing with Jordan Mayfield is that he's probably the most explosive athlete on this entire list. Um, I mean, he's just a beast. You know, when he gets the ball in his hands, he is a playmaker with the ability to take it to the house pretty much every single time. You know, you watch this kid play. His acceleration, first off, is insane. And that's probably partially, um, you know, because he is a track and field athlete and a pretty good one at that, you know, so you got to give him credit there. But 
I mean, his top end speed, uh, obviously, it's very good, but his acceleration is something else. Like, he goes 0 to 100 real quick, you know, and doesn't give defenders a lot of time to get their hands on him, which is why he was able to take two slant routes, like almost 60 yards, and one of them to the house in that Ponderosa game against a team that's not like, they're not a bad, like, you know, football team at all they made the playoffs they made the second round so there you go there um obviously extremely good after the catch uh, but he's somebody who has both finesse moves and power moves i mean his feet uh, he has very good footwork and his agility is elite for sure you know he's somebody that could shake a lot of guys but you know at 6 185 he's also somebody that's not afraid to throw down his shoulder and run somebody over he has done that and then ran for a couple more yards after that i mean he runs like kind of like a running back almost with the lower center of gravity very physical there but obviously with the acceleration and all that athleticism he just has a lot in his bag you know after the catch and then finally I mean, he just has excellent hands with a great catch radius. Like I said, look at that Ponderosa game. Well, look at his highlight reel because it's one of the first games there. But in that Ponderosa game, man, I mean, he adjusted for that ball insanely and just skied. And I mean, he came down with it when all was said and done. And he does this a lot. He mosses a lot of corners and defenders when he gets the chance, which is a pretty big gift because nothing against his uh, quarterback. You know, he's all right, but definitely costed him a couple throws uh, here and there. Uh, I'm just going to be honest there, you know. I mean, Mayfield, he definitely bailed him out, along with his teammate Bryson Torrey, who is a good receiver as well. You know, but Mayfield, in my opinion, might be the better one out of the two just because of his raw athleticism. Like, this dude is an absolute beast. When the ball is in his hands, you know, he could score. At the very least, he's going to get the first down, but he can definitely score. And then when he's vertical, <clears throat> I mean, I don't know. He's going to come down with it. You know that because he's an athletic freak. Uh, and, you know, he's doing all of this at 6'2", 185. He is the biggest receiver by far on this list. Well, that made this list, you know, and it shows, you know. Um, I mean, he's a legitimately, you know, playing at this size and more, which is absolutely insane cody is there anything anything else you want to add on before you talk about areas of improvements i mean this guy has the catch radius of a six foot four or five wide receiver at six foot two because of just how athletic he is and you know he's really shifty once he gets the ball in his hands you know he's gonna be really hard to catch and bring down between his combination of speed and just the footwork and athleticism that he has he's He's so hard to catch and to bring down. He breaks ankles before and after the route, you know, and or before and after the catch. So he has that going for him. Obviously, that's something that helps you become the top wide receiver. But I, I think that, you know, his instincts are something that pops off the film because there's a lot of times where the pocket breaks down. And, you know, I, I compared this quarterback at... Um, Vista Peak to kind of Roethlisberger as in modern day Roethlisberger where he's not really as accurate but he'll he'll push it down the field what do you say I said this season's Roethlisberger yeah yeah yeah. where like you know he'll get it in the general vicinity but he's not like a pinpoint guy really he just has a strong arm and 
Jordan Mayfield makes it work. I mean, as best as anyone can. And that starts with, you know, he is really good at, you know, pacing the field at the at the right speed, not full speed, because otherwise he would close the entire distance from left to right, east to west very soon. But he does a great job of pacing the field and working with the quarterback and finding ways to get open as the quarterback breaks the pocket. And from there, you know, whether it's making a catch on the boundary and showing great field awareness after doing improv or whether it's catching the ball and turning up field and making two, three guys miss all with one move. I mean, he just he has kind of the best of a lot of these worlds as far as, you know, he's a great athlete and has incredible speed like Jack Pierce does. He has the body control and acrobatic catchability and huge catch radius that Blake Haggerty does. And he has that speed and getting upfield ability that Nick Stone does. You know, he has a little bit of all of these receivers in him. And, you know, the shiftiness after the catch that Jackson Brush has, he just has all of these receiver strengths in a frame that is bigger and, you know, just as fast as most of these guys with a 4.5 40 yard dash time. So there's just a lot to like there. Uh, and as far as areas of improvement, I think that he could be a more refined route runner uh, just in general. He does round his routes or he'll drift uh, mostly on dragger in routes. You'll see him kind of fall off of his line a little bit, but I mean, you could attribute that to his system or like PTSD of like having to drift off of routes to make catches sometimes. So we just don't know what his maximum potential could even be uh, with the right system and quarterback in place. Honestly, uh, Simon, do you have anything else to add on to areas of improvement? Uh, not too much. I agree with the route running. It could be definitely be a little bit more crisp. Um, you know, it could be like Jackson Brush, you know, but obviously not everyone could be like Jackson Brush or Chase Penry. And so uh, that's pr- pretty much one of the only things I would say does not run the widest variety of routes, although he does work inside and out. You know, most of his big plays do come off of some pretty basic like slant hitch, like go routes, uh, post routes, which is fine. You know, but I mean, that's probably also because, um, you know, that this Vista Peak team, like they have a lot of skilled talent, I would say. But up front, they're a little bit suspect. I'm not even going to lie. And then that quarterback, you know, they're, he's been on and off. You know, he's been hot and cold depending on the day. And so that kind of limits you as is for all I know, maybe he's running all these routes. He's just not getting those looks on those routes, which would be a big deal. But um, no, that's pretty much it. Do we want to talk Outlook here? Yeah, sure thing, because he currently doesn't have any listed offers on his Twitter. So that's blasphemous, obviously, when you're the number one receiver at your position in a state, uh, especially in this state that has, you know, a couple of D1 guys. I'm very surprised to not see that many offers coming his way, being the explosive athlete that he is and you know, if he couldn't get any looks at wide receiver for some reason, he's also a great safety. So what's going on here, Simon, and what are schools missing out on and what level do you think uh, schools should be looking at this guy? Well, um, like I said, or like we said, it is also November 23rd. So maybe he doesn't have them right now, 
but it's hard to believe that he won't get those looks eventually because in my opinion he's a d1 guy not fcs uh, but i think he could be an fbs type of receiver and be just one of those dudes you know just looking at his body type looking at his uh, athleticism his pure athleticism like he's there you know like he is a d1 fbs guy um through and through if he was playing for <clears throat> i mean you know if he was playing for some different teams out here like uh, Denver South is one that we mentioned was well, that one that we talked about earlier um, before we recorded this episode. You know, if he was for them, that could maybe make the difference. But honestly, if he played for Fairview or Cherry Creek or even Valor, you know, uh, or Arapahoe, potentially like one of those Centennial League schools, it, it would be different. It'd be a different story, you know, but because it's Vista Peak, they didn't make the playoffs or right, wait. Yeah, they made the playoffs, right? Yeah, they lost in Play. the opening round to uh, Pueblo West, I want to say. Okay, there you go. So they lost to a solid Pueblo West team. You know, I mean, I don't know. Just on paper, I mean, when you look at it, it's like, okay, you know, I mean, he's not that just doesn't stand out, you know, and that starts with the team first and then you go from there. But honestly, I think he will get these looks by the time this episode comes out, comes out. Hopefully he has uh, some of those looks and offers because he is just a D one guy. He's a beast and all that. And if he goes Juco, fine, he'll drop a thousand yards and, you know, 15 plus touchdowns wherever he goes. Because I mean, like I said, just look at his stats here. Only 35 receptions on the year. But he has 740 receiving yards and six receiving touchdowns. You know, those receiving yards is close to Jackson Rush, who has like 15 more receptions than him. Um, it's close to, I mean, that 750 receiving yards is only 100 less than Nick Stone, who has 20, uh, 20 plus receptions on him. And then obviously with Jack Pierce, I mean, he doesn't scale well against that. But I mean, he's only 400 receptions off. Or sorry, 400 receiving yards off, and uh, Jack Pierce has 70 more receptions, at least 70 more than him. And so, I mean, the stats also help him out as well. It shows that he's an explosive dude, you know, and so I think he's a D1 guy, FBS, FCS for sure. If he has to go the Juco route, I'm not worried about him. I think he's somebody who stands out pretty much right away, you know, and in his first or second year, he goes ahead and he kills it on the Juco level, you know, and he gets some of those D1 offers. I'm not worried about it. I just know that he's an FBS guy. I've looked at his film and I'm like, I mean, you know, you got the frame, check. You got the athleticism, speed, acceleration, agility, strength, check, 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 and check. I mean, you have the hands, which is a huge check. You know, I mean, I don't know what else you want from him other than being a perfect receiver, you know, which you don't find many of those. So it's kind of just where I'm at. But I think he's an FBS guy. Cody, what do you think about that? And what do you think about him um, potentially going Juco? I mean, if he's not getting Division One looks, I feel like you have to go Juco here to get the proper looks. I mean, obviously, if you get a full ride offer anywhere. We never discourage taking a serious look at that, but schools are missing out. This is a phenomenal athlete who's going to be able to ball on any level of football. And, you know, I think that he's just missing more targets. I mean, literally, if you double his receptions this year, then his productivity 
pops off the page for any year that we've looked at receivers and for any class, you know what I mean? So he just needs more looks and more targets. If that has to come on the Juco level, then that has to come on the Juco level. And it's very attainable, I think, for a guy of his athleticism. It also gives you some time to, you know, I don't know what his GPA is, but it gives you some time to adjust to, you know, that college school system and, you know, get some credits for a cheaper price too as well. But, you know, UNC, if you're looking for wide receivers uh, who are athletic freaks and big play threats, Jordan Mayfield is literally right here. CSU, Wyoming. I mean, I could see him potentially getting looks from Wyoming here in the next few weeks. I don't see why he wouldn't. Oh, hey, what do you know? He is followed by Wyoming football recruiting. Uh, don't know how I didn't follow that. And, you know, he's also followed by uh, glove work as well. So shout out to Gabe Cardenas there for uh, helping produce some pretty good wide receivers this year and in the years to come. But other than that, uh, I don't really have anything else to add on. I, I just think that he's under recruited and does deserve a division one opportunity, uh, regardless if it's at the FCS or FBS level, but I think he can succeed on that FBS level. Uh, just, just depends on when he gets that opportunity, but you know, he could also be a, a great fit at Boise state. Honestly, um, he kind of fits the bill of the athletes that they have over there. And, uh, could be a big play guy on special teams as well. So get this guy offers. You're you're missing out if uh, you're a recruiter and he's not on your board. But yeah, no, for sure, he's gonna be a steal. You know, it's who's gonna pull the trigger first? Who's gonna find him first? You know, because uh, Playmakers I mean, we found Corner him. did. Yeah, <laughs> we did. Hire us as your recruiting directors. We'll we'll give you a championship team. For real. Yeah. And uh, see, but anyways, uh, that at at Northern Colorado or Chapel Hill, I'll work on Chapel Hill. But anyways, uh, the best way to reach us, too, if you want to hire us for those positions is on social media. You can find us on Instagram at Playmakers Corner on Twitter at Playmaker Corner. We also post content to Facebook. If you just look up Playmakers Corner, you can DM us on there if you want. Or if you just use Facebook as your preferred social media, we post all of our stuff on there. We also post content on TikTok where we'll be having TikToks of all of these players as well. So keep your eyes peeled for that, obviously. And for any future episodes, you know, you can go ahead and follow us on Apple Podcasts or give us a like or follow on Anchor or Spotify Podcasts as well as Google Podcasts. So you get notifications for all of our new episodes that we post we're doing about two a week and we have more top fives coming out for you it's going to be some big decisions here as we still have exterior offensive linemen as well as running back quarterback and edge rushers uh not in that order but you know still lots of exciting colorado talents to take a look at if you missed our other top five episodes go ahead and check those out where we did at this point, interior offensive linemen, cornerbacks, safeties, linebackers, and the works there, tight end as well. There's a lot of talent here in Colorado. It goes overlooked. So be sure to check out our lists. And if you don't make it onto one of these lists and you want your film broken down, we may have already broken it down. Or if you want a more in-depth look, just request with you know reaching out to us on social media and filling out 
or you know telling us name position height weight school and your film if you have it i don't really think there's uh anything else to add on uh simon am i missing anything on the outro or are we about to say goodbye to the listeners for this episode uh remember we're gonna by this time we should have our polls up for uh our end of the year award shows for 1a 2a 3a 4a 5a i don't know what order we're going in i assume it's going to be 1a through 5a though that would probably make the most sense and maybe it's already done but uh remember you know go ahead and uh look at our twitter and whatnot i assume that's where we're gonna have our polls and whatnot uh those will be lasting a week and so no excuses you know plus we know some of y'all are gonna start going on break and so so yeah there you go. Plus, oh. it doesn't take that long to vote on Twitter. But go ahead, Cody. We 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 goof. We didn't get it at the beginning of the episode. But if you're on this top five list or any of our top five lists, that's an automatic invite for an interview where you can uh, explain yourself, explain your game, talk about your game with us, uh, your football career, as well as where it might be heading. No, I I said that. Oh, at you the beginning. did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm saying it again at the end, and I'm throwing you under the bus for no reason. Okay, well... That's kind of our dynamic, but anyways. I've been your co-host, Simon <laughs> Voyanos, a.k.a. Coach V. And I'm the other co-host, Cody Stoffer, and thank you for listening to this episode of Playmakers Corner. Peace.